And that's why for me Rangers going into these big games in Europe against Celtic that's why they're confident and they're mature now because they've got a game plan. Because if Celtic aren't up for it against a Milan side or four wins out of four so far at the start of the Serie A season they could be in more trouble again Thursday night. If they don't and they get run over the top of confidence then starts to get even lower. Well Darren how do you feel about Thursday night in AC Milan? Neil Lennon has shown for me he's tactically an ape. The Goal Radio Football Show with Paul Cooney Ali Defoy, Davy Proven and Stephen Cragen. Have your say call 0808 17 17 700 let's go Tuesday, the workday done. Welcome to the evening into the Go Radio Football Show 0808 17 17 700. The old firm fallout continues. I'm delighted to welcome to the programme the former Celtic and Scotland star and Sky Sports star Davy Proven. Davy, welcome to Go Radio. Great to be here, Paul. Thanks for inviting me along. And a great weekend to be on with so much to talk about. Are yep. Celtic going to reignite and are Rangers going to continue this great run? Absolutely. Huge questions uh, at the moment for Neil Lennon in particular to, to answer Rangers going like a steam train right now. What do you think? 0808 17 17 700. A man who's played in many uh, Celtic Rangers, Rangers Celtic matches over the years. Played in front of 100 and... Well, we'll find out what was the biggest crowd he played against. <laughs> and next to you, another international star, Northern Ireland and former Motherwell stalwart, it's Stephen Craig. And Stephen, great to have you back on tonight. Good evening, Paul. Good to be back as always. Great stuff last weekend, wasn't it? And, uh, you know, in, for Scotland. Uh, and Declan Gallagher did really well along with Stephen O'Donnell. Two, two players you know well. Yeah, it's funny. I think the Scotland stuff has kind of peeled into insignificance yeah. once the old firm comes along that becomes a talking point so there's always a week building up to it and then a week probably dissecting after which is we're going to do in the next hour or so How good are Rangers Stephen Gerrard's turning them round and Celtic can they come back not least in time for Thursday night <laughs> It's amazing how when you lose your game suddenly everything gets overanalyzed. people want to dissect it in a certain way and the negativity comes out if, if Neil Lennon wins on Thursday night puts them back on track with regards Rangers and Stephen Gerrard they're on the right track but there's still lots of questions to be asked. Oh, Ali, loads of calls coming in and on the socials too. Of course, if you've not got in touch, please do. 87474, put go at the start of your text message or jump on those socials at Go Football Show. And you were at St Mirren at the weekend, called off three weeks be- three hours before kick-off and hopefully they'll be back in action this weekend. Yes, fingers crossed. We've uh, been in touch with the team, so looking good and looking like the Hamilton game will be going ahead on Saturday. Also tonight, Aberdeen against Hamilton Aki's going ahead and Rob McLean will join us from Pataudry. Davey, we've never known a time like this. You know, football without no. fans is nothing. It affects so much. But I see in England some news coming in that Liverpool and Man United talking about a breakaway into European Well, the, the significant thing for me, Paul, is, and it's, it's just running on the sky ticker tape at the moment, is that it's backed by FIFA. And I guess FIFA have the gun to their head here that the top European clubs were always going to uh, form some kind of breakaway league with or without FIFA's permission. It looks as if FIFA are behind it. They're talking about £4.6 billion worth of backing going into it. So this, this, and there's been talk about this for pan-European leagues for years, but this looks like the real deal this time. And Stephen, what does that mean for mm. Rangers and Celtic? Yeah, well, I think first, of, anything, all, first yeah. of all, you'd have to consider that, that the leagues would be under contract with, with media partners. You know, it'd be, it'd be very tough or it would cost a lot of money, I'm guessing, to buy those clubs out of it. I think the bigger concern then would be that if, if the English Premier League lost two clubs, would it potentially think, would they look north and think, well, let's bring Rangers and Celtic down? Suddenly, it ignites just new interest and it's a new product again. Um, I'm sure it's something that will be spoken about over the next you know days, weeks and months. Could be an opening, Davey? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if, if they don't get an invite this time, Paul, they'll, they'll never get an invite. I mean, if the top clubs in England, the, the, the top, they're talking about five, um, Liverpool and Man United, mm-hmm. Man City, presumably, Chelsea. If if they lose that 
type of glamour from the league. They will they will need to they'll need to replace it somehow. And as I said, you know, if 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 the old firm don't get an invite now, they'll never get one. And they still need the big TV deals, and Celtic and Rangers bring huge audiences. Well, absolutely. I mean, once this COVID thing is over. Um, you can see the worth of of the the two Glasgow clubs uh, absolutely gigantic, and I think you know given enough time down in uh, in England, they would be competing for the title itself very quickly. So what do you think on that? That's breaking news. We're just bringing to you four point six billion. It's FIFA putting this on the table, and that's the the thing, Stephen. It's FIFA, which is uh, over everything in football, and they've got some clout there, not without controversy. But uh, this is one that we'll we'll watch keenly. Yeah, but I'm sure all the individual associations would want to have a say. You know, whether this is just something that's, you know, I can't imagine it's just appeared in the last couple of weeks. This seems to have been something that's been going on probably for months and, you know, possibly years. You know, there's always been talk of of the Champions League becoming a more regular thing, so the best clubs play against the best clubs. But then they get the most money, they buy the best players. You know, what does that mean then for individual leagues as it goes on? You know, certainly with regards to Premier League, they've got enough stature there to still have a competitive league. But like everything else, when you lose the cream of the crop, then... I think the standard and the interest may just wane a little bit. Anyway, enough of that. In Glasgow's own now, we're still looking at the weekend where it finished up Celtic nil, Rangers 2. Davey, what's your assessment of it? Um, you know, I think the the reaction to, to Celtic's defeat has been hysterical. That's what we get in Glasgow after an old firm game. You expect that. Um, listen, you, you can lose an old firm game. I think the thing that would disappoint the Celtic support would be the control that Rangers had for the entire game. The, the lack of... Um, Goal opportunities that Celtic had, very little width about them. And they, they were very poor second best for most of the game. That would be the most disappointing thing for, for and certainly for Neil Lennon as well. And I think Neil had, would have to hold his hands up that he got the shape of the side wrong. Uh, he wouldn't be the first manager to to, to pick the wrong shape. Um, but I think, you know, in reflection, he, he will feel he got it wrong. Stephen? Yeah, you know, it's it's one of those ones where you look at Celtic and you think, you know, the they weren't at their best and they probably haven't been at their best leading up to this game. When you think they had to win late in Dundee, they had to win late in Riga, uh, they had to win late against St Johnson, they struggled against Livingston at home who were I think bottom of the league at the time or second bottom of the league at the time. So results were probably papering up or papering over the cracks of where the team actually were. The performance level hasn't been as good as what it's previously been under Neil Lennon. Uh, sometimes people think you just arrive at an old firm game and everything just works for you. It doesn't work that way. Rangers have quite clearly worked on a structure and a setup. They knew Celtic were going to play 3-5-2. So I generally felt getting into the game, I thought Celtic would have went and been defensive. I'd have thought worst case scenario for Celtic, David, to come out of that game as they were. One point behind Rangers, game in hand, they've drawn a game, they're missing some of their best players, job done. But I just thought they were a bit cavalier and trying to, and they looked disoriented at what they were trying to do and Rangers picked them off. I just wonder, you know, Neil, quite deliberately after the Ferenc Varas result, called out some of the players without naming them he said some of the players were, were working their ticket effectively and I just wonder if the, the, the players and they will know who he was referring to I, I just wonder how much they're prepared to give Neil Lennon since that Stephen do you buy that? Yeah well it's players don't like getting you know dug out and, and, and as an individual you know if he's talking about you because you're thinking I'm trying to work my ticket yep. and if players in the dressing room know it then there's a little bit of unrest, a little bit of uneasiness. And then when you're missing five or six players and you've got to go to those players and say, I need you to play a big game for me. They're thinking, is that right? Yep. You know, so players, you know, have, have long memories. So I'm not saying that has been the case, but certainly, you know, there seems to be a little bit of unrest. And it's surprising, it's such a big season. They're winning all the trophies, they're winning the games, the pressure's all on Rangers to try and stop Celtic winning this 10. 
and it almost looks roles reversed. Barry Ferguson said exactly the same thing last night, Davey. He was uh, suggesting, and Cy Ferry also agreed. Has that been a factor? And what about for Rangers then, Stephen Gerrard? I mean, the, something is happening for him there now, isn't it? Well, it Consistency. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he got it spot on. I don't know how much input Michael Beale had to the, the, the tactical shape, but the Rangers got it absolutely spot on. And the, the other worrying thing for, for Celtic at the moment is that, you know, Rangers did the same thing to them back in March just before the season was, was called and and really outplayed Celtic at Hamden in the Bet, Betfred Cup final as well. So this this isn't a one-off. You know, th- this is something that Neil Lennon has been watching and he's now going to have to come up with an answer to it. Rangers fans, what do you think? 08, 08, 17, 17, 700. Stephen, there's a real confidence there in the squad and also a rich squad now. Yeah. Well, suppose you've got to look and think, have Rangers dramatically improved? Has there been a significant improvement and I think there's been a slight improvement, but what has been the difference is they don't give up cheap goals. We think, you know, Connor Goldson in the first Old Firm game last season, stepping out of defence, played a poor pass, got punished. Mm-hmm. James Tavernier was was slated in, in, in some quarters last year for cheap goals and positioning wrong. You know, their back four just was giving up cheap goals in big games. So suddenly they've knocked that in the head. They've managed to get the shape right. They've got Ryan Kent playing better. Is Morelos playing better? Probably not. Brandon Barker's come in, got a little bit more pace. Tavernier is better defensively. So when you put that all together, those small improvements have made them a better team. And they're adding their numbers and they're scoring goals defensively better. And when you put that in against the Celtic side, who were a little bit disjointed, that's why they went and won the game. They've, they've got a, a top squad now as well. It's not just a top 11, Stephen Gerrard has. It's a really strong squad. If you think, you know, you know Ryan Jack didn't start, um, Hadji didn't start, Aribo didn't start. Um, he's got now four strikers that he can rotate. And to be fair to the Rangers board, I don't know where they found the money, but they backed Steven Gerrard to the hilt and they got the payoff at the weekend. Do you think 10 in a row made a difference for them? They said, we have to keep Morelis. I know he's not played brilliantly, but that was a statement that he was staying. I know they didn't get the money, yeah. perhaps from Lille, that they had looked for, but the fact that they kept him and there was money for others to come in has made a difference. H- hugely significant that they kept Morelis, I think, yeah. um, because in any other season, he would have been out the door. Um, they would have taken the money. Uh, this is all about stopping the 10. Contact us now, Ali. Yeah, jump on the socials at Go Football Show 87474 for all the texts and that number 0808 17 17 700. Give us a call. And Stephen, what about Glenn Kamara? What would you say about him? Many people yeah. thought he wouldn't start on Sun- I mean, on Saturday. £50,000. It'll probably be the best £50,000 Rangers have spent in a long, long time. Just his composure, his awareness of the game. I've watched him a couple of, uh, playing a couple of games for Finland as well in the international stage. It just looks natural for him to be in contact with the ball. You know, you get players who go and, and sometimes the old firm can over can overawe them. They have to change their game because they're not used to that at a smaller club. But going from, obviously, from Arsenal to Dundee to Rangers, you know, just in midfield, his reading of the game, his energy, his awareness, everything about him, he's a top-class footballer. And, you know, Rangers really have to look and think, can we get him on a long-term deal? Because he's one that we can build a team around in years to come. He's also got two terrific old stagers beside him, you know, and Scott Arfield and, and Stephen Davis. Um, you know, I wouldn't downplay their contribution at the weekend either. They've got a really tight knit, narrow three there that are very difficult to to play through, and that that was a problem Celtic had as well. And I think what I would say, Paul, is is that you know there's still huge question marks over Rangers' stand power. Mm-hmm. You know, they beat Celtic last December, and everybody thought that's the corner turned. Here they go again; they're ready to go. So all eyes will be in their next five, six, seven games. And having looked at their fixtures, I think their fixtures in the league particularly are slightly easier than what Celtics are. So, 
plus Celtic play in the semi-final of last season's Scottish Cup at the end of October Rangers have another league game they get another three points so the next time Celtic go to play or the next two or three times they go to play if, if Rangers can have that lead Davy, suddenly there's a yeah. little bit more pressure but there's still question marks of well, whether I, they can do it or not I think you're 100% right I mean I, I think Stephen Gerrard himself will not quite be able to trust this team yet not after the collapse of last season because the, the money would have been in Rangers to win the, the league after they won at Celtic Park last season they collapsed totally collapsed uh, and Steven Gerrard will have that at the, at the back of his mind. You know, every every time they go on the pitch, he will be thinking back to last season and thinking, is this, you know, are we going to do this again? Are we going to fold again? It's got to be in the back of his mind. And was he coming under pressure towards the end of last season? Absolutely. I, I think Steven Gerrard would have been under serious pressure. I think he might have been fortunate to, to keep his job because Celtic were going to increase the gap. Um, and it would have, I think it would have ended up an embarrassing gap between the two would have put the spotlight right on Steven Gerrard. But to be fair to him, he started this season well. Crucially, they're not losing goals, Paul. Mm-hmm. Crucially, they're not losing goals. Um, and, and to be fair, they, they look a far, a far superior side at the weekend. So much to talk about. What about the keepers and McGregor? People, when he came back to Rangers, people said, oh, really? You know, he's older, whatever, but um, you know, he's not had a lot to do. And Barkas, where do you stand on the Celtic keepers? I, I, I don't know why Celtic spent £5 million on a goalkeeper when they could have got David Marshall for nothing. And I know David Marshall's 35, but that's, for a goalkeeper, that, that's not old. Yeah. If you look at his Scotland performances, uh, I, would have had, I would have had David Marshall on a, on a free transfer and I would have spent the £5 million elsewhere. Great, great point. Well, yeah. is there question marks to think you'd have been better keeping Craig Gordon? Absolutely, you know, there's another, another one. one, yeah. Is Craig yeah. Gordon a better goalkeeper than Barkas? Well, from what I've watched so far, he absolutely this is. It's just yeah. what happens in football, though. There's so much movement, but Celtic fans have been asking. We've had messages saying, why did Craig Gordon go? Um, and why a keeper coming in who, I mean, he'll be up against a 39 year old on Thursday night, yeah. Ibrahimovic. Big, big goalkeepers make saves in the big games, Paul. And the two biggest games Celtic have had this season were Ferenc Varis and Rangers at the weekend. And the goalkeeper has been lacking in both. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Listen, that's where you're judged. You know, you come to Celtic to play in the big games. You want to be judged in the big games and the big occasions. Unfortunately, on the flip side, if you make mistakes in the big games, then it's highlighted for you. Did you think you would be reporting on Conor Goldson getting both goals in the match? <laughs> well, it just shows you what can happen in a year. Yeah. You know, I said he was at fault for the first goal last season in the old firm game at, Celt- at, at Ibrox when, when Edward went through and scored. And that one, I mean, probably in the back of his mind you know Shane Duffy all the talk coming from Brighton as well all the all the hype about their friendship and what was going on so it would be nice for him to think he's laid a marker down he's got rid of the demons of, of losing the old firm game and Stephen Gerrard has stuck by him so one thing you can say about Conor Goldson he's made mistakes and, and, and he's been out of position but Stephen Gerrard trusts him he says he trains every day he's robust he wants to play every game and if he's fit he said he's on my side and there was the payback Davey yeah absolutely um I've got to say, Paul, when Celtic signed Shane Duffy, I thought it would be a, a, a real top signing. Yeah. I, I thought he would have strolled in, in our league up here. He struggled. Mm. He looked slack at, at times uh, at the weekend. Um, what, what I would say, and getting back to the goal, and I'm standing next to an international centre back here. If, if, if the whole Celtic line had dropped as quickly as Shane Duffy, I don't think Celtic would have lost the first goal. No. The job of the defender there surely is to get goal side Absolutely. when the ball arrives in the box. It's a terrific ball in from Tavernier. But as a centre back... Surely you're thinking, I've got to be goal side here. Well, you've got to think danger first. Whereas Christopher Ayer allowed him to be three or four yards away from him. When Goldson makes his first move back to get onside, he actually nudges Ayer out of the way to keep himself onside. Shane Duffy's the one, I think, what, three or four yards behind. Deeper and behind him. So he plays them all onside. But that's his defensive instinct. Where I think that's been an issue possibly for Ayer and Julian in the past. That they don't have that defensive instinct. Or they come up against good balls in the box, aggressive 
centre forwards or defenders that they have struggled and give up cheap goals. But that's exactly. But then you look at the second goal when she and Duffy, I think it was Frimpong, she and Duffy, and Stephen Welsh. And Connor Golson was in between the three of them, and not one of them picked him up when the ball came in. So as much as you talk about Duffy, he's the experienced one, Dave. You'd think I'm going to go and engage because when the cross is coming in, you're thinking the only person potentially going to score is going to be Connor Golson. So somebody has to engage. So both goals, as much as you talk about box to box and shape and tactics, Celtic didn't defend their 18 yard box, and Rangers did. What do you think? You can call in 0808 17 17 700. The calls are stacking up. We'll take them shortly. Davey wouldn't be the first player to come. I mean, his desire to play for Celtic is clear for everybody. But do you think people in general coming from England, in Shane Duffy's case, they think they, they don't realise the, the quality, the intensity in the Premiership? I, I think you're 100% right. Um, I, I think you could argue that our game is quicker up here yeah. than the, the Premier League in England. Is it? Um, yeah. Well, yeah. I, you know, I, I think when the top teams in England get near the 18 yard box, then they quicken it. Mm. But the build-up is much slower. Yeah, they all play out from the back now. Um, unless they're being pressed, um, it would bore you to tears, to be honest with you, at times. But it's quick. the game's quicker up here. And I think Shane Duffy has found it hard to adjust. Would it be more direct as well, Davey? You know, when you consider where Celtic play, Celtic play on the halfway line and there's more space in behind. Shane Duffy wouldn't normally defend as high as that. No, absolutely. Playing for Brighton. So when yeah. Motherwell's and, and Hibbs are under pressure, yeah. they throw it down the side and, they, yeah. and that's their out ball. So you wonder, is you know, that going to be something he has to adapt to? What do you think? You can speak to Davy Proven, who played with Celtic. Kilmarnock, of course, you kicked. What about Kilmarnock at the weekend? They wanted the match with Livy off, but uh, they played and they won 3 yeah, I, mean, I, yeah. I understand Livingston's position. Everyone has to look after themselves right now. It's tough on Kilmarnock, but it's not going to be the first time we're going to see that this season. It's every man for himself. Yeah, it is, Stephen, isn't it? And we'll hear from Ali later as well about Aberdeen, who, to be fair, are in the vanguard. They're trying to get test events back, get people, get fans back in. Stephen, you were at one of them earlier, so we'll speak about that during the programme. We know that COVID is everywhere, it is on the rise, but if we're outside, if we're socially distancing properly and doing the right protocols, surely we can get fans back into football. This is Glasgow's Zone, the new radio station. Paul Cooney here with Stephen Cragen, Davey Proven and Ali Defoy, and your calls are coming next. The Bull Radio Football Show. Let's go! Different aspects of, of set pieces. You've got to defend your own box and be man enough to stand up. You know, they've got some big, powerful boys coming in there, so to keep a clean sheet here is a big bonus. And we know we've got the right quality and we know we'll put the ball in the right areas, then it's about that hunger and desire to go and uh, be a winner. And Conor Golson's uh, won his team three points today with two two good finishes. I'm shocked. He's shocked. Conor deserves that moment today. Yep, Conor Golson and Rangers weekend 2-0 at the east end of Glasgow. Celtic fans calling in, Rangers fans too, looking forward to the matches on Thursday night. We'll talk about that during the programme. And also Aberdeen playing Hamilton Ackies tonight. We'll hear from Rob McLean shortly here on the Go Radio Football Show. Ali, we're available in all the socials. Absolutely, at Go Football Show for any of them we're on all of them our DMs are open if you want to get involved or drop us a text 87474 put go at the start of your message and you know that number 0808 17 17 700 and don't forget those DMs of course David Province <laughs> with his DPs here SC is here Stephen Cragen PC and ADF as yeah. well yeah. I'll take it <laughs> so listen thanks to everyone who's calling in first up we're going to hear from Callum a Celtic fan from Clarkson on the line Callum good evening all right, how are you? Uh, good, thanks. How are you? I'm good, thanks. So, what's uh, what's your take on it now? You've had uh, three days since the match. How are you feeling? Uh, aye, it's, obviously it's a tough one to take. Um, even, I was, I was talking to my friends about it. The last three old firms off the top of my head, it's been the exact same. Just so flat and you struggle to see what the tactics were from the start. Like the cup final game, the, two -one, the last 2-1 it, Celtic Park and then obviously the weekend 
like the I thought the lineup was wrong. Um, El Yunusu started up front. He's a left mid, left winger, whatever you want to call it. And you've got Griffiths and Kamal on the bench, but he's playing long balls into El Yunusu. Like it just doesn't make any sense. If you want to play long balls and there's Griffiths, they'll take it down. A Yeti's already on the bench. Like these are the guys that should have started over him, and for them to be on the bench and see a left mid playing striker and obviously makes him feel further fourth choice and. I, I don't know, it makes, makes absolutely no sense to me. And I don't get anyone, anyone outside the players could go away from that game thinking they played well. And there was just no fight from anyone, but I think that's been the same for the last three games. And I get changes, it's just not been good enough. Davy Proven? That, that's the worrying thing, that, that this isn't a one-off. You know, the, the last three Old Firm games, Rangers have bossed them practically from start to finish. And that would be the concern for, for Neil Lennon. In terms of... Um, the, the weekend's game, I, I think Neil Lennon should have made the changes quicker. But remember, he's watching him in training every day. He obviously felt Lee Griffiths was not good to start the game for some reason. Yeah. He, he got a, a bit part at, at Perth uh, and scored the goal. But, um, you know, Neil Lennon clearly, having seen him in training, felt he wasn't fit enough to start. He should have made the change earlier. Though. It was 66 minutes before uh, Griffiths came on, Davy. You could argue there's still time, but it felt by then the game had gone for Yeah, I, I think almost... It's so difficult to change the pattern of the game. The game had developed into a pattern uh, and Celtic didn't have the players to change it. Stephen? Yeah, listen, that seems to be the overriding frustration from the Celtic fans is the manner of the defeat. You know, you can understand when your team will lose games when they don't play well, but the fact that they're they're questioning the players' appetite for the game would be hugely concerning for Neil Lennon to think that, you know, he's put aside in the no-firm game and they lost with a whimper. I think that will be the disappointing thing. On the... Uh, Mohamed El Yunusi thing uh, with regards to his positioning, three five two doesn't suit him. He has to play as a centre forward, or he doesn't play at all, or he has to play as a number ten. But that's not his best position. I've watched him playing for Norway. I've watched him playing for Celtic and Southampton, uh, and he comes in off the left hand side. So in a three five two setup, it doesn't suit him. Um, potentially, if he had another winger and James Forrest, if he'd have been fit, he may have played four three three, and that may have suited him. But he was the only. I'm saying winger, but even then he wants to come and play in the middle. He wants to start from out to in. He doesn't want to play as an outside uh, winger effectively and, and, and go down the channel. So maybe Neil Lennon was limited with regards uh, the players available to him. But as I say, certainly the overriding feeling of, of the manner of the defeat is worrying. Callum, what do you think uh, when the players come back who are fit and obviously Christie comes out of quarantine, will that make a difference for Celtic? Uh, well, it should. I think this is a wake-up call. I think this is the game you need. Um you seen last year it happened, they beat us uh, at Parkhead and then they came back and they weren't in a great streak. So hopefully that's what's going to happen again. But even the team we had on Saturday, that should have been good enough to beat Rangers. Um, like that, that team's more than capable to beat Rangers. But it seems like the players that Rangers have, even though in my opinion they're not better individually, but they rise to the game. But the Celtic players are kind of coming down a peg or two. Callum, Callum, if you don't mind me coming in here, I I, I wouldn't agree with you. I I don't think the Celtic team that started at the weekend is good enough to beat Rangers, and I think that is a reflection on the Celtic squad in general. That Celtic need all their big players, all their big hitters, and when you lose two or three or three or four, I think it was there for everyone to see. And and there ha- there has to be question marks. Neil Lennon recently has been praising the recruitment process Nicky Hammond uh, how well he's done Neil was talking about he got six players in uh, during the window he got six in but only two were in and fit enough to start against the biggest uh, against Fernand Farris in what was the biggest game of the season 
And I've got a question, Celtic's recruitment. And the proof in the pudding was at the weekend when they were without three or four and the ones who came in weren't good enough. And when are they going to be good enough? When are they going to be fit enough? Ayeti, uh, Griffiths, yeah. he had an impact, as you said, against St. Johnson. Uh, David, you said you'd have brought him on early. And I know we don't see him in training. We're not there. But the, 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 the squad, which Celtic have said for a long time, strength and depth, it wasn't there at the no. weekend. And I would imagine, you know, David's been in an old firm dressing room more often than not when the team lines came in. But I would imagine when the team line came in to the Rangers dressing room from Celtic, they would have looked through it and thought, who's the danger man? Who's the real danger man here we have to look out for? And I don't think they could have found one because they were expecting Edward or maybe expecting Griffiths. Christie naturally wasn't going to play. Forrest hasn't been there. Um, they're the players that have hurt Rangers over the last number of years. They're the players who have capitalised on the mistakes, have carried the team when things have went against them. Um, so looking at that, that would have given them an extra boost. You know, there was talk of all this team being leaked and Conor Goldsmith since said that, you know, we didn't believe that the team that was leaked was going to be the side. I we heard him say that We yesterday. thought Edward yeah. and stuff were playing the game yeah. and they didn't. So they would have got a natural boost. But when you play against the side and you're the favourites, particularly in an old firm game and there's an, und- uh, an underdog, if there is one, getting that first goal is crucial. And for Rangers to get it after eight minutes and try and take the sting out of Celtic a little bit, of course, El Yunusi had the big chance. You know, there's always turning points in games. El Yunusi had the big chance. They get the half time. You know, they get kind of rejuvenated. They lose a goal just after half time. Griffiths has the chance, doesn't he, with what, nine minutes to go. If that goes 2 1, they get a chance to have another fight. So, so many things didn't go in Celtic's favour. And Rangers managed to just manage the game properly. Davey, did the lack of a crowd make a difference? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah huge difference. Um, you ask anyone who's played in these games, whatever side of the, the, the city they. They play in, uh, the crowd plays a huge part, and particularly when you go one down. Stephen's talking about, you know, a reaction at one down. That That's when you get a lift off the crowd. Um, it, it wasn't there. Celtic were flat, and uh, obviously the, the crowd would have made a difference, but, you know, looking at the, the 90 minutes, it's uh, hugely disappointing for Neil Lennon. I, I, I don't think it's time to press the panic button. They're only one point behind if they won their game in hand but it was certainly a wake-up call for Celtic. Callum, would you have a word for James Forrest? I mean, he gets criticised, but they, they've certainly missed him in the last few weeks. Um, well, I thought Frank, Frank Pong in our last few weeks has been our best player. Mm-hmm. and um, I'm not sure it was there, but someone was saying that they don't think there was a danger man for Celtic. I think Frank Pong was identified early as a danger man, and I thought he was marked at the game. I thought every single time you get the ball, there's about three players marking him. Yeah, I thought Barisic's done really well against him, because um, he's not an easy guy to mark. Um, but I Forrest would be a good addition to come back and then they two can fight for that position or if he wants to even change it back to the four at the back which I think now probably suits us better and, uh, with El Yunusi on the left and play Lax all left back now and Callum what would you say to he was player of the year last year for Celtic Edward so the club kept him what would you say to him if you were chatting to him what would you say I expect a big a big season from and if he wants his move at the end of the year, he can get it. But this season, if, if Celtic went in a row, then I don't know. I, I'm, sh- I'm sure he understands how big it is. I'm sure he want to come back after watching that game and do his best to win the league for Celtic. I wonder, I wonder if they do. I wonder if some of the, the foreign boys do understand mm-hmm. what 10 in a row means, yeah. what it means in Scotland, what it means in Glasgow. I, I'm, I'm not sure they do, to, to be honest with you. I think it goes over their head. Do you not think going out to the Champions League so early was, was embarrassing, really? I mean, Celtic should be in the qualifying stages. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I've made the point that, that Celtic can't, can't win the Champions League because they, they don't have the resources. They do have the resources, Paul, to qualify for the, the groups. For me, four years out of five, they should be qualifying for the groups. They, they should be pushing the boat out to make sure they're in the group stages. There's £30 million up for grabs. 
and I think it's what at five of the last seven years they they failed. Yeah. Not good enough for a club of Celtic size. Losing to losing to clubs like AEK Athens, Cluj, um, Ferns Faris, Leisure Warsaw, and although they got back in on a technicality, mm-hmm. it's not good enough. Not for a club of Celtic size. Callum, do you agree on that? Something happened when they went out so early, and then the, the big money players must think, "Well, I'm not on the biggest stage." No, definitely. Champions League should be a must every single season. Like you said, the money's up there for grabs. And if you get that money in, then you can reinvest and make your team better for the next year. And it should be becoming a norm for Celtic. It's not good enough to go out to these teams and half the time you don't even know who they are. You know the, what I mean? Yeah, the build-up was so slow, the intensity wasn't there. Um, Stephen, yeah. what, for Thursday night, you'll be at the match. You're, mm-hmm. you're covering it on, on BT on Thursday. What are you looking for from Celtic against AC Milan? Well, first of all, the reaction to show that that performance on Saturday was unacceptable. I think that's what the Celtic fans will be looking for. Have a little you know, bit of fire in your belly. Um, AC Milan beat Inter Milan at the weekend, sat deep, played counter-attacking football. So the onus will be on Celtic to go and get after this game and show they have a real appetite for the game. That's what the fans want to see first and foremost. Then they want to see a bit of composure and some uh, chances created. If Christie's back and Edward's back, that will naturally add to their attacking talent. But first thing, they want to see that the players care about the club. Davey? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's a game that Celtic can go and chase against AC Milan. That'll be that'll be right up their street. Uh, as Stephen said, you know, they're the masters of the, the counter-attack. Celtic, too often in Europe, are done by counter-attacking teams. You know, it happened to Ferns Varis, it happened last season with, with Cluj. And they can't, they can't go they can't go on to AC Milan. I think Celtic are going to have to be reasonably cautious. That's probably against all their instincts. But I think if Celtic open up too much, it could be a dangerous game for them. Certainly game on this year, isn't it? Uh, Callum, before you go then, do uh, you think Celtic can still do it for the title? Or uh, will, will do it? They can do it. Will they do it? Yeah. Uh, yes, well, there's only... If Celtic win the game in hand, there's only one point in it. So it's not like we're, we're chasing shadows here. Um, I think we'll, we'll definitely turn it around and I think that game was, will be the turning point. When you look back at it, I think that'll be the game where the players look back and like that's what that's what like, spurred us on to go on and win the league. Because Neil Lennon is a serial winner, isn't he, Stephen? You know, as a player and as a manager. Yeah. Listen, when you manage the old firm, you know you've got to have thick skin. You've got to understand there's criticism coming your way. There's going to be disappointments, and particularly as Davey knows, when you lose an old firm game, that's the one you come under most scrutiny. There's pages to fill. There's video shows to talk about everybody wants their bit off you so you know that's why it's an enjoyable week for Stephen Gerrard not for Neil you, you've also got to remember to be fair to Neil Lennon and I've criticised him I think he got it horribly wrong uh, at the weekend Neil Lennon outmanaged Stephen Gerrard the, in the latter uh, part of the season yep. you've got to remember that yep. Neil Lennon came back from yep. Dubai and, and changed the system went to three at the back two up front just changed it yep. and he outmanaged Stephen Gerrard who couldn't motivate his players well enough to, to to match Celtic and and the at uh, the business end of the season when it really counted it's important to remember that you know I think Neil Lennon uh, and he's getting it from all angles and that that's just the, the territory but it's I, I think he deserves a little bit of slack if you think back to how the last title was won I'll tell you Stephen listening down south you know to the talk sports and that it's great to hear that uh, it's game on in Scotland I know if you're a Celtic fan you desperately want the 10 in a row Rangers fans desperately want to come back wasn't it great to have a weekend where the controversy is well, actually there isn't a, there wasn't a refereeing thing there wasn't any trouble no. there was no fans it, it's no. actually it's the science of the game and what's and the psychology as well Rangers on the up Celtic at the weekend 
they just lacked that energy and cohesion. Well, that's why I thought Celtic would have got a huge psychological edge if they'd beat Rangers because they didn't have their first team out. They wouldn't have the players that Neil Lennon would normally select, which is why I felt it was a bigger game for Rangers because if they'd lost that, the question marks would have enhanced about Steven Gerrard. Where was he taking his team? Where was next? You know, Davies Wright, a huge investment over the summer, backing the manager to the hilt when things hadn't went well in the previous two seasons. So that was a bigger game for Rangers. They had to get over that hurdle of going in front. Now it's all about can they maintain it? Do they have longevity in that type of performance? That's what we'll scrutinise over the next weeks and months. Callum, thanks very much for calling us. Thanks, Cheers. Cheers, Callum. The Go Radio Football Show. Just thinking, no fans, you're talking about it, Stephen, Davey. What's the biggest crowd that you played in front of Stephen Cragen? Was it with Northern Ireland? Well, probably the, big, the biggest would have been at Celtic Park in 59,000. <laughs> what I would say is the noisiest one was in Poland, I think, in about 2008, 2009. Um, we played an international, and uh, it was a World Cup qualifier, it must have been 2009. And just the noise, we, we arrived in the stadium an hour and a half before, yeah. and the stadium was full, and the atmosphere was big. Coming out for the warm-up was just... Deafening, and I, you know, looked at players who had played in the English Premier League, had played in the Champions League, had won the Champions League, and I'm thinking, if you're kind of carrying over, what's it like for me? It plays at Motherwell when there's three and a half thousand rattling about for parts. You know what I mean? So <laughs> How did it, affect it was you? a bit of a difference. Yeah. Well, it, it gives you a buzz, yeah. no doubt about it. So, I mean, I, I, I think the Polish football fans are renowned for the atmosphere they create and they certainly didn't disappoint. Stephen Craig in headline saying there's a buzz about the place yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in the Northern Ireland dressing room. Davy, what about you? Easy one, Paul. The, yeah. the two games against Real Madrid, 67,000 at Celtic Park for the first leg and then I think it was 120,000 in the Bernabeu. That was at the time where you could stand in the Bernabeu. I think it's cut now to about 75,000, isn't it? Yes. Um, so yeah, 120,000. What was that like, walking out in the Bernabeu? It was the plane yeah. inside a wedding cake. It was just tier after tier <laughs> after tier as you gazed up at the, the, the stands. Our commentary position was about you know 100 yeah. feet up. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah it's, it's some venue for football. It yeah. was amazing. And what's it like losing an old firm game? That's what we were talking about. I mean, it, yeah. it's How horrible. Bad? The yeah. problem is that the, the next old firm game doesn't come quickly enough. Yeah. Um, you, you would rather the, the next old firm game was the next day to try and get it out of your system. And, and this is a hangover. And this is where Neil Lennon comes in again. This is where he's tested as a manager. He, he's got to go in and, and pick them up with their bootlaces and, and make sure they're ready for, for the Milan game. And winning in an old firm match, how does it feel? Relief. <laughs> was that what you felt? Yeah, Re relief. Yeah. It, it was uh, more more relief than joy. It was uh, you. It, it was just a case of do not get beat. That that was always the that was always a mantra. Don't lose this. Was your signing on fee paid one day? Can we say this on here? Come on, tell the Gold Radio listeners. No, <laughs> oh, that's apocryphal. That one. Davy Proven is with us. He is in the studio. So Stephen Craigie, Alan Defoy, and me, Paul Cooney. We're going to talk about when we're getting the fans back in, and also more of your calls coming next. The Bull Radio Football Show. Let's go! Oh, it's, it's, it's huge, you know. Uh, you don't want to play too much on that and look for excuses, but um, you know, you get three strikers a Jetty, Griffiths, and Edward, you know, not fit enough to start the game. You know, you got Forrest out, you got Julianne out, you got Beaton out, you got Elham. So we missed a lot of quality today, but we still had, you know, a good team out there, and I felt we should have done better. We should have been at least level at half time and then that would have given us a foothold in the game but when you go 2-0 down you know we, we just looked like we had run out of ideas and the, the subs really didn't have the impact we were looking for Neil Lennon now getting ready for the AC Milan match uh, Stephen you'll be there do you think Ayeti might start or Lee Griffiths I wonder how Celtic will line up well it depends how Odson Edward is you know he's his number one striker even though he hasn't been uh, you know, at his best this season he, he hasn't been as fluent hasn't looked as interested as what he's previously been but still Celtic need him playing he's pivotal for them to get anything in 
you know, on Thursday night and moving forward. Davy, Edouard? They, they might yeah. just play with one striker. I mean, I'd, yeah. I'd be surprised if he goes with the same shape yeah. against AC Milan. Um, then it's, it's a question, is Edouard fit enough? I don't know how much the virus took out him. Is Lee Griffiths or a, a, a Yeti uh, fit enough? It's, it's one from that three. We'll find out. You can call in 0808 17 17 700. It's the former Northern Ireland star Stephen Cregan, former Scotland and Celtic star Davy Proven. Ali, Aberdeen good on them trying to get the fans back in and you've got the latest. Yeah, for sure. So Aberdeen did want to stage a second test event for Sunday's match uh, at Pataudry with Celtic. However, um, the proposal which would have allowed a thousand supporters into the ground has been rejected. So the Dons were one of two clubs, as you'll probably remember, to hold a test event last month with further pilots um, which have been put on hold amid the rise of the COVID-19 cases in Scotland. And Aberdeen chairman Dave Cormack said that the suggested test event was backed by Aberdeen City Council but had been received a polite or had received should I say a polite note from the Scottish Government so it does mean that the previous test matches where the coronavirus tests after the 300 supporters had attended the Dons 1-0 win over Kilmarnock in September was there was no repercussions of that so they would have thought um, and Chairman Dave Cormack has said hundreds of thousands of fans are eagerly awaiting clubs and the Scottish Government coming up with a real plan for this. So there is a reply from the Scottish Government but um, I'll, I'll try and race through it quickly so simply they recognise there's been an enormously challenging time for football and other spectator sports and appreciate the supporters and the supporters clubs and authorities over recent months to help tackle the virus they're working in partnership with football authorities and clubs to ensure necessary public health measures are in place to open up the grounds to a limited number of supporters once it's safe to do so but I think the most important part is however with rising cases there is no immediate prospect of supporters returning because as the First Minister has said the virus has not gone away and we all need to keep working to protect NHS and public services and help keep people safe. Thanks, Ali. Davy, where do you stand on that, where football just, is? Well, you know, if there were was a bit more consistency, I might be able to understand the government's position, but I don't understand how you can sit in an aircraft inches away from the person next to you in an enclosed space, but you can't sit outdoors in a football stadium with a mask on when you're six feet away from the nearest, nearest punter. It doesn't make any sense. Stephen? Plus, we also go to shopping centres. <laughs> Or yep. supermarkets, sorry, on daily basis, and and the amount of people in supermarkets, you know, you're probably closer proximity of people in a supermarket than what you would be in a football stadium. You know, they're talking about a thousand people in what an eighteen thousand seater stadium. There's four there's four stands at Patodri, and for me, there could be four different entrances and four different exits, timed in, timed out, and, and get on with it. Everybody stayed at the end of the match, and fans would quite happily go an hour and a half before the game and then on after the game to get out safely if it meant going to watch their football team playing. So I think now that there are rising cases, then it, it seems it's going to be very hard. I think that the test event was on the 12th of September. Mm-hmm. You, were, you were there? I was. I was at, at Ross County. And what I would say is, although the, you know, there wasn't a huge atmosphere, there was a vibrancy around the ground. How many? There was more people. It was just, there was more stewards. It was more security. Everything about it felt like a proper game. And I can imagine the players walking to the stadium that day will have looked around and thought, this feels proper, which is what the clubs are trying to replicate on the pitch. Was it 500 that there, day? There was 300. That was in the Scottish... That was uh, yeah. Ross County against Celtic. There was yep. 300. I was at the Irish Cup final at the end of July and there was 500 of that. Mm-hmm. And there was a bit of an atmosphere and you could see the players kind of grew into the game. And even though there was only 250 per team, 
that when their team needed a little bit of support, the players on the pitch, the fans gave them that. And it just up to Temple, which Davey's talking about. The old firm game is a bit flatter. If you had a couple of thousand even in there, it certainly would have raised, uh, raised the Temple. Seems strange, Davey, a couple of months ago that uh, rugby at Murrayfield did 900, so almost a thousand people. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you've got Ibrooks, you've got Celtic Park. They could easily take similar amount. Or you make it 800 because uh, the biggest is Murrayfield. Yeah, I mean, but, you look at Dortmund, 12,000 fans, you know, in the West Valley Stadium. Uh, I, as I said earlier, I don't think there's any consistency. And it's only a matter of time before the, the first before we'll see a club going bust. I mean, they're football clubs, but they're businesses as well. I mean, they, they, they borrow money from banks. They, they have lenders. They have loans they have to service. If they can't service those loans, and if there's no supporters coming through the gate, they'll find it increasingly difficult. They'll go bust. And clubs in England are already down the divisions. Yeah, absolutely. That's just why they're, they're hoping the Premier League will, will, will bail them out. It's, uh, the, the game is on its knees. And... It's all very well to say, oh, you know, the, the clubs, they always survive. They, they won't survive this time. And Ali, it must have been horrible at St Mirren at the weekend. You know, you're there about to do the St Mirren uh, TV uh, and the game's called off just three hours before. It doesn't help anyone, St Mirren or Motherwell. It's just such a disappointment. What was it like um, in the ground when, when they found out they couldn't get enough players to play? Do you know, it was such a shame because it was an absolutely beautiful day. The pitch looked tremendous um, and you could just see the hearts falling and you could see everybody's face through their masks, their eyes. They're just devastated. Um, the boys are feeling fit, they're feeling good, but unfortunately the test is saying something different and they just have to abide by the government guidelines and take care. But yeah, it was a it was a sad day for everybody involved. I don't think anyone at St Mirren wanted to call it off, but they left it as long as they could and, and that's unfortunately the circumstances. But looks like Saturday's game against Hamilton is still going to be able to go ahead. Stephen, um, and passions were high afterwards mm. and frustrations. I, I see that Maurice Ross is being criticised now by Tony Fitzpatrick, the chief exec of St Mirren. Yeah, I think the frustration for Motherwell is just before the international break, they had a game called off against Kilmarnock and then they had the game called off. I mean, they're not blaming anybody. Certainly the club aren't anyway. You know, individuals have free speech and can say as they wish. Um, you know, ultimately, players don't mean to get coronavirus or don't want to get coronavirus. So there are going to be issues. The fact that there wasn't a precedent set at the start of the season for games being called off it's hard to change it halfway through. Although, knowing the SPFL or, 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 or the leadership, they'll change it when they want. So that's that's the, you know, the other factor to take into consideration of what are they going to do moving forward. They, they are so desperate to get the games played, Stephen, uh, and get the, the, the league completed this time around. They want to introduce a sanction where if a club can't fulfil the fixture, they lose the points and it counts as a 3-0 defeat. Um, that, to me, is, is so unfair given that there's no such thing as a biosecure training ground bubble. No such thing. These these boys go home, they have families. They can get it off their wife, they can get the virus off their kids. Um, if that goes through the dressing room, whose fault is that? Mm -hmm. who's that? Whose fault is that? Why should the club be punished? Yeah. And the fact that the season finishes and that Aberdeen have had games called off and Celtic have had games called off and St Myrna had games called off and if they're involved in different battles throughout the league and suddenly, you know, as another team, you know, loses points because of it, it just brings the game for me all into just into disrepute I, I just think they have to make a decision that teams will have players get coronavirus but at some stage then they may just have to play a Tuesday Thursday you've got to get the games played somewhere along the line as Ali just told us from Dave Cormack the chairman of Aberdeen and he's put quite a bit of money into the club he said with no visibility or certainty around the return of even partial crowds we like other clubs are facing major financial and operational challenges indeed the consequences for our club and for Scottish football are dire you know, as the autumn turns to winter soon, it's going to be a really, really tough time. If it's happening in England and the money in the English game, can you imagine in Scotland where we really need yeah. fans through the turnstiles? Absolutely, no doubt about it. And and there's no coincidence that, that, that Aberdeen had to sell Scott McKenna. 
and they probably had to sell him under value because they just needed money to come in. They needed to plug the gap. I think the players have played their part. The players have took significant wage drops just to try and get the club through, having to sell their best assets. So not only does the club get affected short-term, but long-term, if you start losing your better players and your best players and your assets start going, then you know everything else starts to depreciate. I think that, that's the big danger in terms of getting this season completed. I mean, are we going to have 12 clubs still in business by the end of the season? If they don't get supporters back through the gates, I mean, it's hard to see how all these clubs can survive. Davey, at the weekend, you were at football. You've obviously been doing it for Sky, yeah. so you were in the northeast of England. That was quite a game. Newcastle-Manchester-United, where, um, you know, coming off the back of a 6-1 defeat to Tottenham, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was really under pressure, lost an early goal to uh, an OG, a Luke Shaw OG. It looked bleak for him. Uh, and thereafter, Man United battered Newcastle. Um, Bruno Fernandes, absolutely inspirational. And they won on a canter. Real test for them tonight. They were in Paris tonight against Mbappe, Di Maria and, and Neymar and company. So they're going to have to play well again tonight. How good is Fernandes? Much better than I thought. It's the first time I've seen him in the flesh. Obviously, I've seen him on, on television, yeah. but to, to watch the guy, just to, his movement, the, the, the movement ahead of him that he sees so quickly, always get his head up. Uh, what a signing he's been just fabulous player Champions League is where everyone wants to be yeah. and the coefficient going up for Celtic and Rangers sadly not in it this year but uh, that's some match tonight isn't it PSG against Man United you'll be watching that later well I will and there's a little bit of history in that fixture isn't there yep. Manchester United yeah, got a penalty <laughs> I think the spirit is a word of abuse uh, Marcus Rashford probably announced himself on the big stage didn't he went and scored that penalty kick so I'd imagine PSG will be out for a little bit of revenge so it, it could be I don't think Harry Maguire's travelled uh, I think one of the other centre halves hasn't travelled so it could be a tough night for Man United no doubt about it Liverpool and Man United as Davy said in talks to join the new FIFA-backed European Premier League and uh, that's the key thing Davy, isn't it it's FIFA against UEFA yeah which is strange in itself but the significant thing is that, that FIFA and the they, they are lording over everyone else. If, if they give it the green light, Paul, it's a gore. You know, they've been talking about this for years. Remember Sir David Murray talking about this, uh, you know, in the 90s, talking about there'll be a pan-European league, we'll be part of it. Has never happened. Well, it, it's, it's happening now. And you wonder what the knock-on effect will be in terms of, of the English top flight trying to replace the glamour that these clubs will take with them and whether there might be an invite for the old firm or other Scottish clubs to go and play in England. And surely that is the opportunity for Celtic and Rangers is the following they've got across the world that they do carry a lot of people who will watch it wherever it's television or if it's on, you know, whatever form of media it is, Stephen, if you've got people there who will pay, then you could be up there, yeah. you know, at the table. I can imagine they won't be saying an awful lot publicly, but I can imagine privately they will be thinking if this is starting to take off, we would like to try and fill that void. We'd like to be two of the clubs that fill that void. You know, it's been spoken about for years. Uh, you know, I, I think the attraction that Rangers and Celtic bring, you're talking the fan base all around the world, the interest, the excitement. I mean, some of the other clubs in Scotland would think, well, it gives us a chance of winning the title. The downside would be that the, that the, the media coverage wouldn't be the same. The media coverage would all go south. You know, the TV deals and the, and, and the radio deals, would they be as, as financially... Uh, Appetising? Probably mm -hmm. not, no. So there is a downside somewhere, but as I say, I can imagine Peter Lawwell and uh, and Rangers will be thinking, oh, we would like a bit of this. Well, Aberdeen are playing Hamilton Ackies tonight. The reason I mention that is because it wouldn't happen normally because in a Champions League night you can't have domestic, but they've allowed it tonight because they're kicking off early. So it's seven o'clock. So we will hear from Rob shortly for Aberdeen. They've got a huge match coming up on Sunday against Celtic. So Celtic fans, Rangers fans, what do you think? Call us. We're back after this. 
The Bull Radio Football Show. Phrases we've never heard. Well, not too often. <laughs> Stephen Craigan's with us as well. Stephen, you're up for it tonight. Absolutely. Listen, as always, there's lots of talking points in Scottish football. It never disappoints. There's always something on the horizon. Uh, and of course, we've got a game tonight as well. Aberdeen against uh, Ackies, which should be a big one for both clubs. Shall we go to Pataudry? Can we? Yes, we can. Good evening, Rob McLean. Hi, Paul. Good to hear that Davy's got over his pre-match nerves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some good early touches. Yeah. <laughs> Rob, what about yourself? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I'm a little bit nervous, but I think yeah. I'll be okay. I think yeah. I'll get through it. I'll just play my way through it. Um, I've got the team news for you from, from Aberdeen and for Hamilton as well, of course. big A big match for both of them uh, tonight with anything for Hamilton here would get them off the bottom of the Premiership, and that would mean a lot to them having featured in that eight-goal thriller. Probably wasn't a thriller in the end for them uh, because they lost to St. Johnson at the weekend, but uh, they can make amends and they'll look to get something on the board. They lost all three to Aberdeen last season, but two of them only by one goal, so they, they do have that habit of being pretty dogged competitors, and they'll try and dig something out of this one tonight if they can. They've got two players still self-isolating, Andy Winter and Jamie Hamilton, who were involved with Scotland under-19s. So uh, when the Billy Stark tested positive the, the coach of the team uh, they were involved in that obviously and so they're still out of contention four injured uh, for Hamilton as well like David Templeton is missing uh, youngster Kyle Monroe we heard from him on the show a few weeks back Lewis Smith is out Brian Easton's out as well uh, so uh, Brian Rice makes a couple of changes uh, Templeton and Monroe are the two dip out from the weekend Ronan Hughes scored twice uh, he's in from the start not surprisingly Will Collar starts for Hamilton as well. So it's Fulton, Hodson, Adolphin, Want and McMahon, the, the same goalkeeper and back four. Uh, Hughes, Callaghan, Martin, uh, Collar, Moyo and Ogumpo. So two strikers for Aki's. Uh, enterprising. You expect nothing less from Brian Rice, of course. Uh, as for Aberdeen, a couple of changes. Uh, Ross McCrory drops out. I mean, he's been absolutely incredible for them since uh, moving from Rangers, he's been a real tower for them in the in the central midfield area. He is on the bench tonight, but he did take a knock at Sanadice at the weekend. Uh, that might have had something to do with him getting a little rest. But uh, Dylan McGeough gets a chance to start. He hasn't had a chance. He hasn't had too many opportunities, such as the strength of this Aberdeen squad uh, this season. Connor McLennan drops out as well, but unlucky. He was very impressive at Sanadice at the weekend, uh, but. Uh, Derek McKinnon is looking to put more into it in terms of the attack tonight. So Ryan Edmondson, the 19-year-old, is on loan from Leeds United. He's just had a few cameo appearances. He starts tonight uh, up alongside Marley Watkins, Scott Wright in support. So Aberdeen with Lewis, Hoban, Taylor, Considine, that back three. Uh, Hedges, McGeoch, Ferguson and Hayes and uh, Wright supporting Watkins and Edmondson in attack. So those are the two lineups tonight from an Aberdeen point of view, of course, uh, looking for the one that takes them into third place. They would go above Hibs. They would also have a game in hand, so it would leave them in a very strong position. It could also, of course, uh, when you look further above uh, Davy and, and Craggs, take, take them to within three points of Celtic in second place, uh, who they play, of course, on Sunday. So it could, could all be very intriguing. We tend to write off any chance of anyone getting to Celtic and Rangers. But Aberdeen at the moment won't see it that way, Davey. They'll see this as the chance not just to get above Hibs, but to get within touching distance of Celtic ahead of that meeting here on Sunday. He's done a, Derek McInnes has done a terrific job, Rob, because if you, if you think back to the first game of the season where they 
they were very very poor against Rangers in the game they lost at, at Pataudry uh, and there was a there was a groundswell almost of Aberdeen fans and I'm going back to the Scottish Cup tie at St Myrne in, in January last January when they were they were chanting you don't know what you're doing and McInnes out and he was under real pressure after just one league game this season he's done brilliantly to turn it round um, and he's starting to get players back tell me is Sam Cosgrove on the bench tonight Matty Kennedy yeah, I, Curtis Mayne or I haven't seen the full list of subs yet, David, but I think that the expectation was that four of them, uh, like of Greg Lee, Mike Devlin, uh, Sam Cosgrove, were, were going to be on the bench, going to be subs tonight, which might well put them in the fray uh, for, for Sunday. So, I mean, it's already looking a really deep squad uh, and it's about to get even deeper. And they're getting to the stage where they've got two pretty good players for every every position and that, that's absolutely where they want to be. Yeah, I just think he's added a little bit more pace as well Rob hasn't he I think Aberdeen are more exciting there was always that thing about Derek McInnes that you know he was quite happy to go and be defensive be difficult to play against but I think this season because of the system and the setup, they're more expansive they look more attack minded when you consider it Ferguson of course we knew all about Scott Wright's playing more the pace of Marley Watkins Ran Hedges has really came to the fore and of course Johnny Hayes on that left hand side but we spoke last week didn't we and, you know David touched on him there Matty Kennedy I felt that game yeah. against Hibbs earlier in the season he gave them real good balance on that right hand side so it's quicker they get him back then have Sam Cosgrove just to give him a different option you know Derek didn't he spoke after uh, Dundee United on Saturday and says we could have done with Sam Cosgrove that different option yeah. you could play yeah. against a compact defence so it certainly is looking good yeah I mean he, he was the name that screamed out after uh, Saturday at Sanadise because Aberdeen created enough chances in that game to have won a couple of, of matches they should have had it home and hosed by half time but what they missed was just the clinical was just the ruthless touch in front of goal which Cosgrove has supplied over the last couple of seasons. I mean, he scored 20-plus goals uh, the last two seasons. And it's not, it's not all about his height as well. It's not just all about playing the ball to him in the air. It's, he's, he's good on the ground, and he's just good at anticipating what's happening inside the penalty box. And, and that's what they needed at the weekend. They, they missed the chance uh, to go third place uh, with that draw uh, against Dundee United. And they won't want to miss the chance tonight uh, to make sure that, that they can, can get there. I mean, the, the other thing that's w- worth worth sort of talking about is we're going to have uh, we're going to have the Aberdeen chairman Dave Cormack on the show uh, tomorrow night he's been very vocal uh, about getting fans back in he, he made a bid uh, to try to get a thousand fans here on Sunday yeah we've been Cormack talking about this Rob is that yeah. yeah so yeah, yeah. Um, yeah and, and um, you know but it's not just you know not just let's get some fans in on Sunday but it was can we have a timetable please can we see a plan please about what's happening here um, you know, c- can we start pointing the way forward after that test event here and in Dingwall in September? Both went really well, but, uh, ob- you know, for obvious reasons that the government hit reverse, that maybe it's time to re-engage first gear now and to, to actually start getting manageable numbers of fans back in. And, uh, David, give, give, us, give us a big, give us a lift that we, that we so badly yeah, need absolutely. that football fans so desperately want. Tell me, Rob, um, in terms of Aberdeen's financial position, and we know they, they were fortunate that they managed to sell Scott McKenna for decent money. How, how precarious do you think the financial situation is? Because, again, we've had Dave Cormack out in the papers this morning. We look forward to what he has to say tomorrow evening. But how, how bad financially do you think the situation is at Pataudry? Yeah, de- desperately bad, Davey, is the answer. Desperately precarious, as with lots of of Scottish clubs, but maybe the difference is that 
that Dave Cormack has been very uh, transparent and he's, uh, he's laid out the figures in front of everybody about the amount of, the amount of cash that Aberdeen are hemorrhaging on a, on a weekly basis. So it, it's all out there in front of everybody. And, uh, you know, the, the, the fact that, that there are no fans getting in, there's no, no clicking of the turnstiles at all at Pataudry ain't helping. And, and I think he just wants a, he just wants a sign. And, and amidst, uh, all, all the, people being able to go inside at the moment to cinemas and to, to, yep. to gather at indoor locations. It, it just doesn't seem to make much sense that you can't have numbers, like manageable numbers, like yep. 1,000 inside a 20,000 capacity stadium, socially distant. And Rob, is he getting any support? What about the other clubs, uh, the authorities, the leaders of other Premier League clubs? Are they no- Maybe it's time for, for them to come together now, Scottish football, to put pressure onto government. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, oh, that, that, I love that phrase, come together. Yeah. I'm trying to remember when that last happened in Scottish football. In fact, I don't think it's yeah. ever happened. I mean, that, you know, we really, sh- and that's what absolutely what everybody should be doing at the moment. But um, self-interest has been the, the key phrase in Scottish football for as long as I can remember. But, you know, we really need to get beyond that at the moment because there are big issues to be dealt with. And, and you know, Dave Cormack at least is, is speaking yep. out. And he is, of course, that's what he's looking for. He does want support. He does want backing to go to the government and to try and get some plan. And before you go, Stephen, clubs like Hamilton Ackies here in the west of Scotland really need the money. Is there any... Ackies don't want to get anchored at the bottom of the table. We no. know they're specialists at staying, but Brian Rice is saying they, they need to pick up points yeah, now. I think when I looked at the squad at the start of the season and defensively they were a little bit naive, uh, they lacked a little bit of experience. So bringing in the likes of Lee Hudson, uh, Brian Rice hoped that would kind of strengthen them up. But they considered five against the St Johnson's side on Saturday who have really struggled to score goals this season. So, I mean, Rob, that would be the concern that you know this game tonight with the firepower that Aberdeen have the defensive frailties I think Hamilton have conceded 21 goals which is just over two goals a game uh, there could be a few fears for the Ackies tonight yeah absolutely and I think uh, because of what Aberdeen what happened or didn't happen for Aberdeen at Tannadice at the weekend I think Hamilton potentially could suffer tonight because Aberdeen are creating lots I mean, I remember the, being at the, their game in Dingwall where they beat Ross County yeah. 3-0. It could have been about six or seven or eight. I mean, the, you know, creating really good chances, hitting the frame of the goal a couple of times. Uh, lots at Tannadice at the weekend. Now, if they start taking chances tonight, and maybe the, even just the appearance of Sam Cosgrove on the bench might, might just have an impact on the pitch even before mm-hmm. he comes on. Uh, if Aberdeen start tucking away even a small fraction of their chances, they, they should be putting Hamilton away with a fair bit of ease, you would, you would expect. Rob, so you gave us the teams, you didn't have the subs. Is that a leak or is that the official teams? <laughs> it, was, it, was, it, was, it was a social media leak, but I never named my sources. All right, Rob, thanks very much. If there's time, we'll speak to you before kickoff. If not, uh, you'll be here in the studio tomorrow night here at Go Radio in the heart of Glasgow. Aberdeen against Hamilton Ackies tonight. Uh, David, we were mentioning at the top, there was breaking news about FIFA. Yeah. Yep, you've got, I mean, the story, yeah. story is still, still uh, developing. It, it, initially, I, I thought it was going to be a breakaway league where the top clubs in England would be invited to, to leave the English set up and play a pan-European league. It seems that they're going to play in both, retain their place in the English Premier League and join an 18-team pan-European league. I just 
for the life of me, I can't work out how they can fit all the games in. I mean, if, if it's yeah, I see possibly they were going to look to try and make the Premier League 18 teams. Uh, yeah, that was part of the project that was they that, put to the, part of it as the, well? the championship. You can yeah. imagine that, that is it the big picture project was big something picture. they were feeding yeah. in last week just to say, listen, this is in the background. We're Ma- just letting you know this could potentially happen somewhere they else. They said a maximum of 18 teams. Maximum of 18. Yeah. So if they could get that one down, which then again is just hoarding the money towards you know, the big clubs, the big spenders, and it becomes almost untouchable to get anywhere near the top flight of English football. So we're talking about the big match of the weekend, but money reigns supreme. And as we head towards the winter, everyone's worried about it. We've just heard there about the FIFA proposals. And Ali, news just coming in from UEFA about Champions League. Yeah, so basically UEFA apparently have taken a financial hit with the reduction of TV and sponsorship money from last season, which means Celtic and Rangers have got a cash flow uh, with UEFA cutting the Champions League and Europa League prize money after their five hundred and fourteen million loss. So basically Celtic Rangers and the SPFL clubs will receive less prize money from Europe over the next five years after UEFA have revealed this loss due to the pandemic. Wow, because broadly, is it worth about ten million to each club this season in Europa League? Europa League, yeah, yeah. But you even look down, f- you know, further. I mean, even talking about clubs in Northern Ireland, even just getting through one round of Europa League, you know, the first round or second round, it is worth something like a quarter of a million pounds to them. So suddenly that starts to get cut. But listen, you can't expect anything else. You know, there's so much of a fall off, and, and too many businesses going, and, and, and sponsors will be concerned about their incomes and out going so you think there is going to be an effect somewhere let's hope it doesn't paralyse football the, the, the other worry is will they get the Euro finals played next summer mm-hmm. I mean it was a crazy idea initially from Michel Platini to, to play in 12 different countries um, I, I, in the middle of a pandemic unless we're all vaccinated mm. by then no chance I it's going to happen I think you called it a vanity project and you're yeah, calling the sun yeah I, I just don't see how yeah. they can get it played um you know, in 12 different cities. Would it be safer to move it now, David, just to say, listen, well, should do enough. it now, Stephen, let's, go to, do it. let's yeah. go to one country. Let's yeah. get it down. We can lock the players down. Somewhere like England, for example, we've got enough facilities, yeah. training grounds, pitches, stadiums. Hotel rooms. Could all yeah. do it. No problem at all. And rather ho- than travelling all over the place. Hopefully, of course, uh, Scotland will be there. Hopefully we can, we can beat Serbia next month. Because that would be horrendous. We and Northern see. Ireland too. Indeed. Of course. Of course. Yeah. We're on the radar <laughs> still. Absol- just about. Absolutely. Because could you imagine that we qualify at last? We're banged on, you know, since 1998 and all the rest of it. Oh, Ali, you couldn't believe it. And uh, the women's game, because that's been knocked back. But this, to the following year, 2022, is when it would be. But you've got some news about uh, women's football getting underway again, the internationals. Yeah, for sure. I was just talking to Leanne Crichton actually earlier this afternoon. So they're all doing their training camp, staying in their bubble, going back to the hotel rooms. The women have uh, some big games this week, the 23rd and the 27th of October. So that's this Friday. They're playing Albania at Tynecastle Park. That's a 7.30 kickoff. And that's the UEFA Women's Euro 2021 qualifier which of course will be played in 2022 um, should they get through and then of course Finland v Scotland they're also playing and that's going to be on Tuesday night as a 4.15 kickoff in the afternoon an earlier one a week today Leanne Crichton will still be happy a 2-0 win for them Glasgow well, City against oh, the yeah. kind of newcomers of Celtic I actually watched it, it was did on, you get to yeah, see it I think it was on Alba. BBC Alba yeah. I was wanting to have a word with Leanne because I've heard her on criticising players I want to speak to her about her <laughs> tracking runners going back the way I don't what? think she was too fussed in that <laughs> so I'll, I'll need to speak really? to her slacking oh, a wee bit absolutely yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a work rate needs to do it. I mean she's fine going forward it's just when she looks back but I, I, she was on the programme a few weeks ago when I was on I was asking her about her age and she still have the appetite and the enthusiasm and she does but because I think Celtic beat them 
at the start of the season, which was in February, March, and the season was, was null and void. So there was a big question mark, could, could Glasgow City overturn? So mm. it was actually a decent game. I enjoyed it. Was it? Because yeah. she was saying it was going to be quite a, a tough season and quite a tight season compared yeah. to previous ones for the Women's League. So Because Rangers exciting. and Celtic and, and, and Hibs mm-hmm. have invested a bit of money, as have Glasgow City. So mm. I think it's the closest That's why I'm one. saying the newcomers, because yeah, there's money absolutely. going in there from, from the club. I, I sense that you're missing coaching a wee bit. Did you see that, Davey? Yeah, Ali, yeah, can you see that? You're not missing it a wee bit. Well, you do sometimes, yeah. 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 But it's, uh, you know, there's not many what reserve sides or, or under 18 sides are back in full time training because of the cost of having to test the players. So that's another part of the game that is frozen at the minute. You know, young players who have had full time contracts, still on full time contracts, are sitting in the house mm-hmm. and they can't get back training. They can't get that progress to get into somebody's first team because it costs an awful lot of money for the testing time after time and they may have to use them. So it's, uh, you know, there's a lot of concern people. And it's a shame they could have. Yeah. Sorry, no, you're fine, you're fine. I was just thinking they could have played on Saturday for St Mirren, but because they hadn't been tested, they, exactly, they couldn't. Yeah. So, and they weren't registered. It's such a shame. Yeah, but you know, talking about the, the academies and how they've suffered. You know, for a club like Motherwell, who survived by yeah. producing young players and selling them on, yeah. it's it's going to have a, a knock-on effect. Well, I would tell you that if Motherwell hadn't sold James Scott in January and they hadn't sold David, David Turnbull Tom. in the summer, they would be in a state they would be really even still getting through Europe they would be in a bad way because they you know they don't have the big benefactor anymore they're a fans run club you know they can't go to the fans and keep asking for money all the time so they have to generate that's the business model you're right is to generate their own sales and they've managed to do that so I don't know how some other clubs are holding on I really don't know how to survive will any of it go to the manager or is that naive is that well his budget's been spent you know he's got a decent squad he just needs to pick up some wins if he can get games on but surely they will. We're going back to your calls about Celtic and Rangers because they're in action. Of course, Rangers stand on the edge. We'll turn to that after the break. And Celtic against AC Milan. What a night that would be on both of them over there in Belgium. That would be some atmosphere. And it would be 60,000 at Celtic Park. Ibrahimovic coming to town, Davey. That is one, you know, for the purists to say. That's box office, isn't, isn't it? He's, yeah. he's, he's Eric Cantona, Mark II, isn't he? Absolute yeah. box office. 39 years of age. Still playing at that level. Astonishing. My claim to fame is I played against them twice. Tell us, yeah. Northern Ireland against Sweden, and and he didn't manage to score in any of the two games. To be fair, he's been to Paris, Milan, and uh, and yeah. Barcelona when I've been to Kirkcaldy, East Fife, and <laughs> you know what I mean, and Airdrie. Yeah, <laughs> but it just shows that's, that's still a, something boasting. That's, that, that's, well, I'm not one for that, but that's the claim to no, fame. No, and not, the, I think to see him still playing at 39 is phenomenal. Phenomenal talent. We asked Craig Moore a few weeks ago who he played against. Davy, it is fascinating. I might ask you some of the players, you know, have a think about who's the, the best, not even just the best player, players you would mention that we know that uh, get an insight on them. And he came up with some great stuff about Ronaldo he threw in. But you against Ibrahimovic. Fantastic. Wow. Yeah. Wow. What, what was this, the quality? What's the one thing about him you would say? He uh, reminded me of, of Henrik Larsson as in his mannerisms. He didn't smile, didn't want to interact, mm-hmm. just looked at you as if... Mm-hmm. I'm the ban. I'm That's gonna, Swedish thing. I'm yeah. going to dictate the game tonight. And for, fortunately for us, he didn't. But it was one of those <laughs> ones where, you know, international football for me was the pinnacle. You really had to take yourself into a zone you never had been to before. So, um, Did you, you know, get his jersey? I did, actually, yeah. I, I got it in the first ah. game and I asked him in the second game and he said, never again. <laughs> and I went, well, what did you do with the thought, first well, one? Well, to be fair, I was never as good as him. So you've got to upset him. You've got to get close. You've got to make contact. And he didn't like all that. He wanted to play free and dictate the game. So the first one I got and he said the second one, never again. I said, okay. It didn't go on eBay. No, you no, cherish no, that no, one. No, it's, it's still yeah. in the house. Don't worry about that. 
Fantastic. If you want to speak to Stephen Cragen, David Proven, call 0808 17 17 700 and the socials are really busy tonight as well, Ali. Absolutely. At Go Football Show, jump on there, get in the DMs or text us 87474, put Go at the start of your message and it's just a normal network rate. And guys, you were saying you got to enjoy Scotland last week. Stephen, I know you were doing the Northern Ireland games, but Davey, you can see the system, it's working now. Yeah, I I think so. I mean, that was, for me, the, the acid test. That's the first decent side Scotland have played for a long, long time. Arguably since we lost 4-0 in, in Moscow. Uh, and I know Steve Clark was talking up the, the statistics that we were unbeaten in yeah. six and seven. We hadn't played anyone. San Marino, Kazakhstan, Cyprus, Czech Republic for me were a proper team. And it was good to see Scotland not just win the game, but, but win with a bit of flourish. And, and hopefully... Hopefully, we can get the job done in, in Belgrade next month. More on that and your calls next. The Bull Radio Football Show. Let's go. Radio, we hope you are keeping well. Stay safe. Wash the hands. Hot water, soap. Just look after each other. We'd love to be back in at football, but the most important thing is that we stay well as we head well into the autumn, into the winter, and stay tuned to Go Radio. On the news every morning, we keep you right up to date. The pulse of Glasgow, Lanarkshire, Renfrewshire, Dumbartonshire. Can we get them all in, do you think, Stephen? All the shires? <laughs> yeah. pick a shire, anyone? Let's go to Dumbartonshire then. Chris is on the line, a Rangers fan. Chris, good evening. Hello there, folks. How are we? Hello, great. How is the shire? How's Dumbarton the Rock? How is it tonight? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely wonderful. A bit wet right enough, uh, we'll get out of it. So were you rocking on Saturday then, your Rangers fan? I was, aye. Uh, un- unfortunately, obviously, as the way things are going, we had to kind of do a wee Zoom watch party. Me and my pals, wasn't he? Quite the pub, but uh, it was good enough. Yeah. It's quite inventive, uh, I like indeed. that. Yeah. <laughs> it was good, it was something. Uh, very happy with the result. Uh, I've not been that comfortable in an old firm in a long time anyway. Um, but aye, it was a good watch. Good. Rangers seem very comfortable mm-hmm. So what do you want to say? Uh, a couple of wee points yeah. uh, Just wanted to get what your your view was on Morelos mm-hmm. um, Personally it wasn't his best on Saturday and I could see as the game was progressing on it was kind of reverting back into his old wee kind yeah. of attitude ways as far as I was concerned uh, He was watching you know, the person rather than the ball leading in with the, the elbow quite annoying to see that again yeah, I, mean, I would have to agree with you, Chris. I mean, I still don't think Stephen Gerrard can trust him to, to stay on the pitch. Uh, and that mm-hmm. is not a good situation for any manager to, to be in. What I would say is, if Stephen Gerrard can get Alfredo Morelos back to what he was, I'm talking about when he was scoring for fun, and mm-hmm. Rangers have a real player in their hand and they've got a much better chance of winning the title, but he has to get Morelos head right. And at the weekend, it did not look right. Stephen, did he work quite hard though? He came deeper? Was yeah. he doing what he was told? Listen, there's never been question marks about his work rate or what he brings to the team, but he has that little petulant side mm-hmm. where you think, you know, if there's a coming together, Stephen Gerrard must have a huge intake of breath and think, what's the outcome? What's going to happen? And it was no surprise for me that he substituted him because he's watching the game, as Davey said, he's thinking things aren't going well, he's becoming edgy. Uh, Chris mentioned it as well. You know, elbows are going, you know, he's hit... He's touched the back of Scott Brown's head. You think that's little moments which he plays on the edge. That's how he is. However, Stephen Gerrard doesn't want players who are playing on the edge and it probably actually helped him and maybe the referee, oh, from his perspective towards the referee, that the crowd weren't in. Because if, if, if the Celtic fans had watched what was going on, every decision would have been wrong and John Beaton would have been under more pressure to probably act on what he did. And the so, touch becomes a slap. Well, it does, exactly. And then suddenly everything starts to get magnified a little bit more. So there's no doubt he has ability. He's a top-class player. I think Rangers keeping him 
until this window uh, that opens again in January could be uh, the best bit of business. However, you know he still has to manage himself. Chris, did you hear what Davey Proven was saying early in the programme though that the t- to keep Morelos was a real statement of intent from Rangers to Celtic and everyone else about their intent to win the title. Absolutely, because the way he used to be getting, I don't know how many red cards it was, constantly getting set off, set off, uh, getting in a violent conduct as usual, and that's the type of player. If you come up against somebody like Scott Brown, Scott Brown will wind him up in his own way. He won't do anything for the referee to go, oh right, Scott, that's enough, whatever. Send him off, give him a yellow card, or whatever. But he's got that experience to get into other players' heads, wind them up, and get them sent off potentially. And that was seen a few times with Morelos. Yeah, good point you make. What's your next point? Uh, the next point was, as for me, for Celtic, I know they were missing uh, quite a few players and stuff, but I thought that, that young boy, is it Laxalt? I'm saying young yep. boy, he's 27, isn't mm-hmm. he? Uh, yep. Laxalt, um I thought he actually held his own considering he was thrown into the deep end a wee bit. Uh, I'd commend him a wee bit. I, I thought he played well. Uh, just the other players around him didn't. I don't know if they didn't meet his level or whatever, but I, I just don't think they were, they were in the right frame of mind. Whatever, I don't know what actually happened to Celtic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, and Frimpong as well, I thought he played well. Um, so I don't really want to take that away from those two players who stood out for me uh, in the Celtic side. Well, you didn't think you'd be coming on Go Radio and introducing Neil Lennon, but he is talking about those two players. Yeah, he did well. You uh, know, it's difficult for him coming in, but you know, I thought his play looked strong. I thought he put some really good balls into the box. Positional sense was good. Looked comfortable in that environment. Thought Young Welsh played really well, considering you know all the talk about him before the game. I thought he handled the the game very very well. Davy, yeah, I can't argue with that. Um, Laxholt in particular. Um, although I, I, you know, I, I do think Greg Taylor's had a hard time off off punters. I think they've been a bit sore on him. Um, probably better on a back four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, so. than, than being asked to play or start further up the pitch. But certainly Laxholt looks the the real deal. It was interesting just because we had Callum on earlier, didn't we? The Celtic fan who was talking about Frimpong and saying, you know, he's a threat. He's a right wing back or a right back. You know, that's mm. the different threat in the pitch to what Stephen Gerrard was having to deal with mm. compared to what Neil Lennon was having to deal with with Brandon Barker's pace and, and, and Ryan Kent. And that was a difference. Rangers, I felt, on, on Saturday had players with an edge at the top end of the pitch. Celtic didn't. Chris, consistency is what everyone's been talking about and Rangers are showing it now. Yep. What are your pals saying then afterwards? What do you feel about it? Will they... I mean, they slipped up at Livingston, they slipped up against Hibs. I don't know if you can say it slipped up against Hibs because Hibs at the time were joint top. But yep. uh, are they going to go the course? Potentially, yes. But see, for the past two seasons, I know quite a lot of people have asked a lot of Stephen Gerrard. Uh, I think people forget that, yes, he has a big name as a football player, managerial wise that this is his first real team managing uh, I think they were kind of expecting too much of him oh we've got Gerard, we're going to win this season alright maybe next season but I think I still will take enough, uh, still will take those two seasons of this third I've said this every season since he came in right enough but I think <laughs> this could be could be the season um, especially with the way they've progressed in Europe and they've been playing brilliantly in Europe I think it's just a mentality thing see when it comes back to domestic for some reason Livingston always stands out for me uh, Aberdeen stands out for me and of course Celtic stand out for me those are the three kind of main teams that are like I don't know if we've got a wee bit of mental block there when it comes to the football or what but it just sometimes doesn't click for us and do you know who your next fixture is against your next league fixture mm-hmm. uh, it's Livingston on Livingston Sunday. at home there you go yeah. so, so this will be this will be the <laughs> yeah. real test if it goes there and it's another draw then we've got to start asking questions but I still I believe uh, Gerard is the right man for the job mm. and 
you can't grumble about how far we've come with him. And I think he's got a lot to learn as a manager, but I mean, that's what his coaching staff's there for, yeah, advising him, etc. Well, that is your next two fixtures, isn't it? It's yeah. Livingston at home and Kilmarnock away, where they've had issues yeah. down at Kilmarnock on yeah. that surface previously yeah. under Stephen Gerrard. Yeah. So this is what I'm yeah. talking about, you know, the longevity or convincing people that you're in a title race. You don't do that after mm. 10 or 11 games. It's when you go no, to no. Kilmarnock's and you beat Livingston's and, you know, the grounds where you've suffered and struggled when you go and make a statement there as well as beating Celtic. I think people now know they can beat Celtic, but can they keep mm. it going for 10, 12 games? And the other good thing, Chris, I, I guess you'll, you'll think it's a good thing is that Rangers won't be going to Dubai again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they go on a high no, to see, Dubai see, and they come back. inexplicable the way Rangers collapsed yeah. after coming back from Dubai. They go there to, to get a bit, bit of energy back into their legs and they come back and they collapse. It's... I mean, nobody saw that coming. What did you think, Stephen? Mm-hmm. Gerrard's reaction uh, to the cameras, Sky cameras, when they won itself. I, th- I thought it was great. I, I thought that's part of the emotion of the old firm game. I and if you've ever been anywhere near that game, you will know the emotions. You understand and, and how yeah. how it feels to win the game. Um, and it was good to see him showing that kind of emotion. Yeah, yeah. Chris. Yep. Uh, again, anytime. I think. Anything you win against your rivals is going to be a big deal, and you can tell with the way they celebrate. This, it's the way Gerard celebrates, the way the players celebrate. Celtic would be the exact same yeah. uh, against Rangers. You know what I mean? It's just it's a, the old firm is a big deal. It's one of the biggest games in the world, and for you see the tabloids slaughtering them afterwards. Going, oh, why are you celebrating as if you've just won the Champions League? Why are you celebrating? You know why? It's just it's just to get a bit of a a rouse off of the fans. Ali. Chris, um, Sandra Liege have got some fans going to the game on Thursday. As a Rangers mm-hmm. fan, do you think that'll make much difference for the team? Realistically, uh, tough to, I don't even know how many fans, to be honest. <laughs> is, it, is it a lot of fans? Is it? It's a small percentage. I'm thinking around 1,000 mm. max. 1,000. I don't think 1,000 fans will make the difference. I don't think it'll be a kind of make-or-break thing. If Rangers could help. play... You know, it could help Chris oh, just in that there's an absolutely. atmosphere. Yeah. Oh no, absolutely. Yeah. I don't I don't disagree with that. But the way Rangers have been playing in Europe, I know uh, Standard have uh, they've done really well. Uh, one of the biggest kind of teams in Belgium. Um, but I think the way Rangers have been playing, we, we should win. I'm not saying it's going to be comfortable, but I, I believe we should win. You're uh, still confident. Again, fans, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm still very confident. Chris, do you start to prioritise? You know, Europe is great. It's fine. But ultimately, after beating Celtic and with what's on the line and the 10 in the row from Celtic and Rangers trying to stop it, does there come a stage where Rangers think, do you know what, we have to prioritise and make sure we're winning our league games? Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, for, uh, for me, personally, if I was Gerard, I would be aiming to stop definitely 10 in a row. Obviously, do well in Europe. I'm not, it's against, as you're saying, prior, prior, prioritisation. If you want to do well in Europe, that's fine, but you don't want to get distracted from the 10 in a row. But if you want to stop them, getting 10 in a row you don't want to be distracted from Europe so it's a kind of double-edged sword uh, in that retrospect but uh, again if I was Gerard, I'd be aiming to get some silverware and stop 10 in a row Davey? Um, I, I, I think Stephen Gerrard can see beyond 10 in a row probably because mm-hmm. of the club he played for the level he played at and I think he said recently that he will not um, he will not um, detract from any of the European um, performances or preparations to, to prioritise the domestic scene. I think he sees Europe as somewhere he can enhance his own coaching reputation. And if you look at the results he's managed to get in Europe, you can't argue with it. He knows how to manage the yeah, game, the European games. Yeah, does he survive, David, do you think, if, if he doesn't win the title this season? Do, do you think he survives with the investment that he's had over the past, what, three transfer windows? Not, not sure. He has had tremendous backing. And I think this is probably his last hit 
at the, the, the Premier League. You know, the, the Rangers board have backed them to the hilt. Um, they, they proved on the one-off occasion that, that they can beat Celtic. They've got Celtic's number right now. So were they to come up short, mm. uh, I think he'd be under I pressure. I think you also look at the players who've been with him on the journey. Mm. James Tavernier's been there. His Connor team. Go- Connor Golson's been there. But players who've also suffered the, the disappointment of not winning the title, on a, you know, getting to a certain stage and falling off psychologically they're affected long term so if it doesn't work this season you can't go back to those players again and say we're going to go another season because they're you yeah. know, mentally not in the right place you touched on that in the first hour Tavernier for example was having a, a nightmare wasn't he he was getting a lot of criticism yeah. last season look at the way he's turned around now one of the top scorers yeah well also his, Chris I think his defending's better you know I, I said earlier that yeah. there's not as many individual errors I think Rangers yeah. have cut that out of their game up to this point of course there's still question marks moving forward but that's been the biggest turnaround for me as well as much as they can score goals and they have scored more goals they look more solid defensively I think Tavernier uh, has actually shown more confidence and I think that is how he's getting up scoring more goals he can actually get back now he can do a bit of defending mm-hmm. um, and I've, I feel kind of I feel kind of bad, but the last season, last season that I was just bashing him, I'll get rid of him. He's this, he's that, he's this. Were you? Were you one of the ones who felt that he just I wasn't was, defending was well enough? Yeah, off. that was aye, definitely. Yeah, but I'm glad he's proved me proved me wrong, and it's working in our favour. And it's he's just been phenomenal. Recently. I hear you say it the same way as Cy Ferry does. That's what Cy says. Oh no, Tavernier. Did you say Tavernier? Yeah, Tavernier. I think I think the real test. I think the real test, Chris, for for Rangers will be if they get into a winning position. Yeah. And, and yeah, yeah, you just don't want them to bottle it if, well, they, that, if they get into that position yeah. to keep it. That, that's, that's the question. You know, when when they start to feel the heat, mm-hmm. it'll be very interesting yeah. to see how they cope because nobody saw mm-hmm. the collapse of of last season coming at all. And it's hard to believe that, isn't it? For this season, they look assured. They look much better. They, yeah. they, they look much Absolutely. better. But, you know, the, mm-hmm. when you can see the, the finish line, that, that's when the difference that's when the pressure. People, yeah, that's when and you final point, did you like his comments, David, that he was saying, let's be modest? That's what he was saying. Yeah, afterwards. humble and modest. Humble, yeah, humble. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's, yeah. I mean, he's, he, he says all the right things, Stephen Gerrard. I think, I think he handles himself very well in front of the microphone. Um, and he's, he's probably, he's now built up a weight of expectation that he's going to have to live with having won the first Old Firm game of the season. But, but do you think that comes from him managing himself better after December last year when he won the big game he thought, right, we're in the driving seat. He's had the fall off and he's thought, we can't go yeah. back there again. Yeah, absolutely. That, that, that's why he's fired a, a warning shot right across their, their bow. Chris, great call. Thanks very much for phoning the Go Radio Show. We'll speak to Ryan just after this. The Bull Radio Football Show. Let's go! Cody with Ali Defoy, Davy Proven, Stephen Cragen joining us here on the Go Radio Football Show. So we heard Stephen Cragen up against uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic a few years ago. Davy, we're going to ask you, have a think just now, we're going to take a call first, uh, maybe two of the best players that you've ever played against. Can you give us a, a clue, nationality maybe of the first one? German. German? German, first yeah. one, yeah. Uh, German, okay. And All Dutch. Right. A Dutch, mm-hmm. okay. I think, uh, Stephen, I think uh, with the oh, Dutch one, you, yeah, you know for sure. Right, well, he told me. Yeah. <laughs> we'll come back to that in a moment or two. Ryan, a St. Johnson fan is on the line. On the line. Hi, Ryan. Good evening. Hi, good evening. How are you, Hi, uh, Good, thanks. Good. Yeah, we're getting quite excited there, wondering who it was. That, let's ask Davy Ryan, while you come on just now, we'll we find out. Davy Proven, Celtic and Scotland, Kilmarnock. Who's the German player, the the best that you came up against? Got to be the Kaiser, ah. Franz Beckenbauer himself. Uh, mm. We played uh, Hamburg in a pre-season friendly and he had just returned to German football from New York Cosmos and he was 38 
uh, and he looked about 26 Did and he, yeah. he was just Stephen was talking about the Ibrahimovic and you know how he carried himself and Beckenbauer was was the same he knew he was the top kiddie uh, and even at 38, just a, an absolute joy to watch. He looked after himself and he had that oh, immense yeah. talent. Yeah, fabulous. Phenomenal. Uh, yeah, terrific. OK, we'll come to the Dutchman shortly. I think we might know who it is. Uh, Ryan, uh, what's on your mind tonight? What's your point? Uh, my point is that I'm just so happy that St Johnson got a win at the weekend, that's for yeah. sure. <laughs> um, I tell you, how did you feel though? When you, so you were three up and then Aki's came back to 3-3? Three, three? Yeah, it was... You know what? I've been I've been to many games with St Johnson v Hamilton, and you know what? Uh, even though Hamilton's a dark horse, every time we've went there, we've always had a hard game against. Them. Have you? Yeah. Um, um, but um, I tell you what, I was expecting us to get beat at the weekend, to be honest. But <laughs> when the result came through, when I got home from work and seen it, I was absolutely ecstatic. I was loving it. And you've got Stevie May back in form as well, haven't you? Which is going to make a, yeah. a real difference if, if you know if he can score regularly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the new guy Helmet. If he gets fit and and, and up and, and hopefully gets Stevie May. But I mean, Stevie May, when when he, as you say, when he's on his form, he is he is a tremendous player. I mean, him and when Stevie McLean and him up front used to play, they were absolutely brilliant. I think he just at the time at Aberdeen, he just I just think he never got the time. He did, did didn't get played in the right position. He just couldn't find that click. But I'm coming home and and that and I think he just just needs a wee bit more match fitness and a wee bit more confidence. And I think he'll be brilliant. It's interesting because the the League Cup game against Brecon when he scored yep. seven goals they won 7-0 people thought well it's only because it's Brecon but it's amazing how we, you know, you're know, you in a dressing room or a, a team full of players who are lacking that goal threat it's almost a relief when you get yourself seven goals and it's completely just carried on so if you'd said to me two and a half weeks ago St Johnson would score 12 goals in two games I don't think you'd have believed me Ryan would you? No definitely not <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd never seen a goal coming anyway same with uh, maybe the Scotland last name. I was like, oh no, Scotland's playing like Scott. Uh, Scotland's playing like St Johnson. Can he just score a goal? <laughs> <laughs> um, so the other point. Yeah. Sorry, on you go. On no, you go. on you go. You were also thinking about Celtic Rangers at the weekend. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think and now Celtic fans. I'm, I'm a St Johnson fan. I'm from Perth. Um, as a neutral point of view, I've watched quite a lot of firms, a lot of Celtic games. Now I think, in my opinion, that Lennon's actually got his tactics wrong in quite a few big games now. Um, I was just wondering what you guys think. I thought I just thought that uh, what me watching as a, a neutral, I thought Celtic just did not turn up whatsoever. And and I know for them, I think that's bad. Mm-hmm. Davy Proven, I, I think Neil Lennon would hold his hands up. You know, if he was with us right now, he would hold his hands up that he got the shape of the team wrong. Um, the, he was certainly going to miss some of his big hitters. You you can't possibly say that didn't make any difference. But he's still mm-hmm. got the shape of the side wrong. Mm-hmm. I think Stephen Gerrard outboxed him in terms of, of the shape of either side. And it's the it's the second big game that Celtic have lost, you know, this season. Ferns Varis was huge for the club. And again they, yeah. they, they were caught in the counter attack. Yeah, but I think you even look back to Clues last year in the Champions League, that's the three games that jump into people's minds, yeah. isn't it? When he played Callum McGregor left back when he had Ball and Goalie yeah. there, is the Ferenc Varos one and now Rangers. It's as if they've handed Rangers the ascendancy in this title race, yeah. albeit still early in the season. But, you know, Celtic fans were wanting to see their side make a statement and they feel as if Neil got it wrong. So he is com- you know, coming under scrutiny from all angles about shape and tactics. And well, Ryan Christie up front against Ferenc Varos. Yeah. You know, Clamalo on the bench. Yeah. And then he has to go back to Klimala at the weekend and hope to get a performance out of him. Yeah. Barry Ferguson also, said last night when he saw oh, the team lines that Rangers would say with Klimala up front, then 
they were glad it wasn't Griffiths or well, we knew that uh, Edward wasn't going to play, that psychologically that was a, a boost for them. Ryan, what's your next? Sorry, you come back in. Uh, sorry. Um, I was just, as you were on about the strikers there. Yeah. Now, as a neutral fan as well, um, mm. as I said, the fans going to complain about um, Lennon on the terms of, well, look, you've just signed a £5 million striker. Why is he not in the park in, uh, at all for him? I think I, I think Ayeti had been out uh, injured, hadn't he? Yeah. And, and Neil ah, Lennon, right, okay. yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He, he had been out with with an injury, and obviously Neil Lennon felt he couldn't start the game. And to be fair, that's a manager's prerogative. He sees him in training every day, speaks to the medical staff, and he's got to make a decision on on that basis. Mm-hmm. Yep. And also maybe distract David by uh, and Stephen the the Ryan Christie situation. How can you have Kieran Tierney playing for Arsenal against Man City? because he's withdrawn from the Scotland squad because of a COVID scare, but they were proved negative. And there's Ryan Christie it's, in the same position. But it's it crazy, win. isn't it? It's absolutely crazy. It's, it's part of the inconsistency that we were talking about earlier on. And I just don't know, how, how did it work out? I mean, if if um, if Ryan Christie and, and Kieran Tierney say that they had kept a safe distance from Stuart Armstrong, who, who's to say they hadn't? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, how, how did they and they post they were negative they posted yeah. negative yeah, yeah. results on a couple yeah. of occasions I was going to say you're questioning someone's integrity but effectively you are you're saying well, well we don't believe you you know or, or mm-hmm. they have to have evidence that, that, of that, 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 that that's what I mean that's it's, the other bit it's it. unbelievable that they would say effectively accuse the players of being dishonest by, by saying they had kept a an appropriate distance. Mm-hmm. Stephen, we're not saying it would have changed the game, but it, it would have helped. You can't. You don't want to lose a player like no. Ryan Christie. Listen, you need your impact players. Yeah. And Ryan Christie, albeit, again, like uh, Odson Edward and James Forrest at the start of this season, hadn't reached their peak form. But still, when the big occasions arrive, Ryan Christie, over the past 18 months, has been the go-to man. He's been the one player you think, you know, brings that energy, triggers the press, he inspires people around about him. So I think Neil Lennon would rather have had him than not have him, put it that way. Ryan? Yep. So that's good to hear you talking about uh, Celtic Rangers. Uh, would you think Celtic will do it against uh, AC Milan? Will they do it? That's a, uh, it's a huge question. Uh, what do you, uh, how do you per- think it'll go? Personally, no, I don't. No. I just think I, I think that Celtic's not turned up in these big games. I mean, your Rangers, your, uh, yeah. I can't say the team, the Ferocia. Ferocia. Yeah, Ferenc Varos, yeah. yeah. What about Rangers Ferocia. against Standard Liège this week? Do you think they will do well? Because Steven Gerrard has got a great track record managing the team in Europe. Well, I, I would say, yeah. Um, I, I I want to say as well that I thought, uh, no takeaway for Rangers as well, that, that Rangers, are, Gerard got his tactics spot on and Gerard went out with a game plan and absolutely executed to perfection. The Rangers players played for him and they got that result. That'll give them huge confidence going into the, the game against Andalusia. And as you say, they're doing well in Europe and I, I, I'd say why not. Let's hear from him talking about the, the midfield that did so well for him on Saturday at lunchtime. In the East End. Listen, I was torn what team to pick. You know, Hadji deserved to play, Jack deserved to play. Um, but that midfield done me ever so well against Galatasaray, and I thought it'd be a, a similar type of game. But, you know, to a man, the three of them were outstanding, and I thought Jack will come on and put in a real professional half an hour as well. So I'm delighted with my midfield, and, you know, hopefully in 10, 10 days, 12 days' time, we've got someone to add to that as well in Zungu, who will be more ready then. It's quite a squad, isn't it, Davey, when you hear those names? Yeah, I mean, I, I was saying earlier on, I mean, Rangers won the game uh, on a day when Ryan Jack didn't start, uh, Arrivo didn't start, and I'm trying to think the third one was another one that came out of Roof. Roof up front. Yeah, and Roof potentially um, was playing one of the wide areas instead Jack. of Barker. Yeah, yeah Roof was out with uh, Arribos, COVID. Sure. Yeah. 
or COVID reasons not with it. Yeah. So when you look at that midfield, you know, you know, he could pick his next one of being Ryan Jack, Joe Rebo and Zungu. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's an impressive another midfield. And that's where you're talking about having that longevity and, and prioritising. He maybe won't have to, Davey, because he can yeah. just rotate game to game in those three and they're playing, you know, once a week as opposed yeah, to I mean, twice. He's got a really solid squad now. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's going to be intriguing to see if, if Rangers can avoid what they what they did last season. Anyway, Ryan, uh, they've done the United for this weekend for you. Yep. Yep. St. Johnson, yep. Your prediction before you go? Uh, I'm going to go a draw. Really? Oh, Dundee, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think okay. that when Dundee United come, they, 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 they turn up. So I'm going to go a draw this one. Okay. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks very much for calling. Okay, Glasgow guys, have on. a nice night. Thank you. You, you too, Ryan. Too. Great to yeah, hear from him there. Bye, Cheers. Man. Ryan from Perth, uh, but obviously loves his football. Final word from uh, Neil Lennon talking about uh, injuries and who might be available for Thursday night against Milan. Well, James, he won't be available. Chris Julian, I doubt very much will be available. And then the lads who are, you know, suffering with the COVID. Maybe Ryan, you know, maybe we'll have Ryan back. I don't know. We'll have to see how it is over the next couple of days. Slow return, isn't it? I thought Edward was touch and go for the weekend. Yeah, so did I. For his timings yep. and with his t- positive test. So, I mean, Neil didn't even mention him in that interview. So that, that would tell you that he's ruled out completely. He, he's the one. He's the one Celtic need yeah. back. But above all others, he he's the one. I know Ryan Christie's a big influence in the team, but Ed, Edward is the man. I think more than anything, Davy, when you sit in the dressing room and you look around and you see him getting changed and ready to play, you think we've got a chance yeah. here. You know, he's the player that inspires you. Never mind on the pitch, just in the build-up to it. Whereas on Saturday against Rangers, looking around, the players might have been thinking, you know, who's going to be that spark? Who's going to be that player that that Rangers will fear? Ali, for you for this weekend, St Mirren. Back in action, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully Hamilton game will go ahead. Looking forward to that. So, uh, yeah, keeping everything crossed. It might be a youth team that it turns up, but uh, you never know. Stranger things have happened. It'll happen to loads of clubs probably over uh, the coming weeks and months. We'll keep you right up to date every night here on the Go Radio Football Show. Davey, so it was uh, the Kaiser, it was Beckenbauer, the the best German player. But in fact, of all the players you played against, who's the other it's got to be Johan Cruyff uh-huh, um, yeah. and again he was coming towards the end of his career when we played Ajax in the early 80s and I remember Billy McNeil saying at the team talk he said don't be afraid of the name Cruyff he's 36 now his legs have gone he was playing sweeper at that time and he gets the ball in the first couple of minutes he played a 1-2 with Soren Lerbu another 1-2 with Jesper Olsen and all of a sudden he's on the edge of our box and he fizzes this shot an inch over the crossbar. <laughs> I'm looking at Frank McGarvey and we're like, his legs have gone. <laughs> They're having a laugh yeah. yeah. What a player. Ah, the, the, terrific. Fabulous. Uh, Johan Cruyff, yeah. Well, he's such an influence on Barcelona, hadn't he, as I well? Did. yeah. You know, he even looked at when yeah. they had all their success after he left. Still, I think the, you know, the imprint he made on the likes of Xavi and, and, guys like that, and Guardiola coming through, you yeah. know, just how they played the game is just... All down to his coaching. It's great for young people coming through. Did you ever think, Davy, when you were at school down there in Gurok, Greenock area, that you would be playing against, uh, playing for Celtic, playing for Scotland, Kilmarnock, and playing yeah, I mean, with and against some of the best in the world? You've, you've got to pinch yourself at, at times. But I was behind the goal at Hamden on the night George Jordan scored to get us into the 74 World Cup final. 73, yeah. I think I was yeah. 14 or 15 at the time. Yeah. And I'd never, I mean, to run out the tunnel with George Jordan a few years later as a Scotland player was. was such a such a throw. Amazing. Yeah. And you played under Jock Steen? Played under Jock Steen, yeah. Yeah. Um what, what was Jock like? And a fox. A massive <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Absolute fox. Took me to the eighty two World Cup, told me I was going to play against New Zealand. 
He said, you'll play one game, you won't play against Brazil or Russia, you'll play against New Zealand, get into the dressing room, read the team out, I'm not even a substitute. Oh. <laughs> I remember, I was there. What happened? Oh, I don't know. I've no, no idea. No. I think we Jim McLean must have gotten his hair. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what happens. But you've been on, David. We're proud to see you on Sky Good every week there. It's great to have you here on the Go Radio Football Show. Can you believe that's the, the two hours up? Will you come Flo- back? Yeah, absolutely. Flo- yeah. <laughs> Thanks very much, David Proven. Uh, Celtic uh, against AC Milan, what would you think would be fair scoreline? I think it depends whether Celtic gets some players back, but uh, Celtic got Odd- Edward back. Yeah. They've got a chance of nicking it, yeah. And Rangers and Liege? Rangers, likewise, such a good team in, uh, away from home in Europe. You wouldn't rule it out. Stephen, what do you reckon? I think Rangers will feel they can win the game. They look back when they played Porto last year, they played well. They played well in Bern, although they lost. Uh, they played well in Braga, so they will believe they can get a win. For Celtic, I think if they can remain unbeaten in the group, if they can get a point from the game on the back of uh, Saturday's performance, you never know. Stephen, Ali, Davy, thanks very much. From me, Paul Cooney, good night. The Bull Radio Football Show. Let's go!